0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, I want to make clear at the beginning of the message this morning that God gave me this message for this morning before the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. I should be referring to that later because actually this adds added poignancy to what it is that God is wanting to do amongst us today. We're going to talk about Jesus as King. You remember that at his trial before Pilate, Pilate said to him, are you a king? And Jesus said, well, it's you that is saying that I am. But he made clear that his kingdom was not of this world. And indeed, the gospel that Jesus came to to proclaim is the gospel of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And all those who are born again are born again into that kingdom and Jesus made clear to the disciples fear not little flock your father has chosen to give you the kingdom and the kingdom or different aspects of the kingdom were really the subject of everything that Jesus preached and taught and the Word of God tells us that he never taught without using a parable and these are parables about the kingdom and we're going to look at just one of those parables this morning which we find in Matthew chapter 25 and we're going to read through that now and I should just pause every now and again to make some helpful comments which will uh, explain the scripture to you uh, a little more fully. Again, Jesus is speaking, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Now, the word that is translated servant there is quite an interesting word uh, because the Greek can actually mean uh, really three different things. It can be translated as slave, it can be translated as servant or it can be translated as steward just according to the context in which that word is used. So we are slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness the christ the the word says, because we belong to Jesus. He paid the price for us with his his uh, blood on the cross, so now we belong to him. We are servants because Jesus came and said, I, "I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many." He came as a servant and he taught his disciples to be servants. But he also talked in this and in some of his other parables about what it means to be a steward. And God wants us to be a faithful steward. A steward is someone who has responsibility entrusted to him. And he is responsible therefore for ensuring that that responsibility is fulfilled In a correct manner. So that's really the the, uh, meaning of this word servant in this context. These servants are stewards to whom the master is going to entrust certain gifts. So let's read again. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants his stewards, and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now we're going to see that this is a parable not just about money. Talent was a silver coin in the time of Jesus. But we also in English use the word talent to think of our abilities. And we want to understand it in that context this morning, that God entrusts to us certain abilities. We have natural abilities which are to be used in his service, consecrated to his service. We have spiritual abilities, spiritual giftings that God gives us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. God knows us, and he knows the ability that each one of us has. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So the steward is called not just to look after what is entrusted to him, but to use what is entrusted to him. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. What we have to understand is that God has entrusted to every one of us both natural resources, natural abilities, natural talents, natural giftings, and supernatural giftings, but we are going to have to give account to him on the Day of Judgment for the way in which we have used those talents, those gifts, those abilities what he has entrusted to us. There is going to be a day of reckoning. We don't need to fear the day of judgment in terms of our salvation because we know that nobody can rob us of the salvation that Jesus Christ has won for us on the cross. However, on that day of judgment, God will assess the reward in heaven that each one of us will have. And he speaks of the greatest in the kingdom and the least in the kingdom. And some will only get into the kingdom as through fire. So not everybody is going to have, if you like, the same status or the same position in the kingdom according to Jesus. So obviously he wants us to use the abilities and the giftings that he's given us in the best possible way so that we have the greatest possible reward in heaven. But that's the responsibility that each one of us has and we'll come to how we put those responsibilities to work in our lives in a few moments. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Now, that's the kind of report we want on the Day of Judgment, isn't it? To hear from the Lord saying to each one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, enter into your, the joy, the eternal joy, the glory that God has waiting for us in his heavenly kingdom. So, the one with five talents has got a good report. He is a faithful servant. Then we read in verse 22, "'The man with the two talents also came. "'Master,' he said, "'you entrusted me with two talents. "'See, I have gained two more.' "'His master replied, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things." Now, I want you to notice that the Master, who obviously in this parable is God himself, he gives the same report to the one with five talents and the one with two talents. He doesn't say, oh, the one with five talents produced five more, and that's much better than the one with two talents who only produced two more. No, no, he, he doesn't take that approach at all. He says, the one with five talents was faithful, he produced five more. The one with two talents was faithful, he produced two more. They were both faithful, and they both received the same reward. You have been faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. This is a principle, you know, that Jesus taught the disciples, that we all have to prove faithful in little things, and then God puts us in charge of even more important things. And, you know, that requires a certain humility, doesn't it, to understand that if we don't prove faithful to God in the little things he asks of us, why should we expect him to put us in charge or or to use us in any greater ways? If we can't prove faithful in little things, we're not going to prove faithful in greater things. So it's really a a proving of us, a a testing of us, a testing of our humility, a testing of our faithfulness, a testing of our obedience to him, that we are faithful in the little things, and then he puts us in charge of greater things. And that, of course, is what he wants for all of us, because he wants us all to grow in his grace, to grow in what it is he is able to do in and through our lives. But then we come in verse 24 to the man who had the one talent. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Now, what was the attitude of this servant? Well, this is something quite valuable that God has entrusted to me, so I'm going to keep it safe. That seemed to him to be a wise and prudent thing to do. In fact, it was very unwise because the Master had given him that talent, that gift, that ability, that responsibility for him to use, to Produce to bear fruit. So the master is not pleased with this servant. You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. At least there would be some gain for the kingdom for the purpose of God and therefore for this particular servant who was not proving to be a good steward. Then we see the judgment of God upon this servant. In verse 28, Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know what the weeping and gnashing of teeth is all about, but I certainly don't intend to find out. I don't want to know what that's about. I want a good report, you want a good report. We want to hear the Lord saying, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. So, what goes on in our lives now is going to have eternal repercussions. It's going to have eternal significance. Right, now let's get back to where we started. Jesus is King. Do you realize that you are royalty. Or oh, not royalty in the human sense, but you belong to a kingdom, not of this world, but the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, ruled and reigned over by the king. And you are a child of that king. That makes you royal. Jesus even calls you his brother, or his sister. In other words, you are like him, a child of the kingdom. You are royalty. Now, that gives responsibility. We are all giving thanks to God at this time for the life of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, He was a keen cricketer, and I feel a little sorry for him because he was nearing his century, and every batsman, that's the aim, to score a century. And he fell just short on 99. He was run out on 99. Nobody bowled him out, but he just ran out, I think, uh, 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 on 99. But what a long life of faithful stewardship. Now, his stewardship is in the natural But you see, he was a faithful steward to what was appointed for him to be a consort, to be the helpmeet, the husband uh, of the queen who is given the responsibility to reign in this nation and in other nations of the world as well. So, we can give thanks for a long life of faithful stewardship. And now he enters into whatever reward God has for him. We want every one of us to be faithful stewards. We can thank the Lord for all the good things that came out of, of the life and the, the ministry, really, to this nation of the Duke of Edinburgh. He had his difficulties. He had his... Uh, testing times like we all have. But he came through those and he has been a great blessing to the Queen, to the rest of the royal family and to this nation. So, we have a good example and that's why this adds added poignancy to this message because we've got a great example of what it means to be a faithful steward, at least in the natural level. But we have spiritual giftings as well as natural giftings as Christians. And God has entrusted to us the kingdom. He has put the kingdom of God within us. When I was a young pastor uh, in the uh, move of God that took place in the early 70s in Luton, uh, we had a, a series of four sessions called "How to Know Jesus and to Be Filled with the Spirit." These were evangelistic meetings for those who obviously did not know Jesus. And we ran uh, at the height of things. We we had two of these separate courses of about 25 people in each, and we had about 98% success of people that came. Hardly anybody ever dropped out of these. And I can only ever remember one person dropping out and he came to the Lord eventually anyway. But when they met for the first time I had this room of 25 people. I had to limit it to that because I was going to pray with each of them personally after the the course and there was only so uh, so many people you could handle at one time. But what we did at the beginning of the first session is I would go around the room and I'd ask each of them to say what they thought a Christian was or what a Christian is. And every time I would get the same, similar kind of answers. Well, a Christian is a good person or a Christian is someone who goes to church or a Christian is someone who has faith or a Christian is someone who prays. A Christian is someone who do, does good works, and so on. And when they'd gone around the room, I would very gently and lovingly say, well, thank you for all your answers. I have to tell you that you're all wrong. Oh, you have spoken to me of things that Christians do, but none of those things makes a person a Christian. The only thing that makes a person a Christian is that God wants to give you a gift and you have to receive that gift. In fact, God wants to give you a kingdom. Now, to this number of non-believers, whoever they were, that was revelation. You see, Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, he said that to the first disciples who were fishermen. But it's true for every one of us. God wants us not only to participate in the life of the kingdom ourselves, but he wants to use us to extend the kingdom so that his sovereign rule and reign takes place in the lives of many other people. Because his kingdom is not a place. It's not like the nation of Great Britain, for example but it is wherever Jesus Christ rules and reigns in the hearts and the lives of people. So he wants to rule and reign in the lives of many, many more people. And the only way he has of extending that kingdom is through those who are already members of that kingdom or part of that kingdom. So part of our responsibility is to live as the children of the kingdom, as as the children of the king, and therefore, to use responsibly, to steward well the resources that God makes available to us. But he wants us also to be part of what it means to extend the kingdom. So you see, when I said to those non-believers, God wants to give you a kingdom, I had them hooked. From, from that moment, they just wanted more revelation. And I would speak uh, in all for a a couple of hours uh, on each of those four weeks, even to non-believers, just opening up the scriptures to them, showing them how it is that God wants to give them the kingdom. He wants to give them salvation. He wants to give them forgiveness. He wants to give them eternal life. He wants to give them his kingdom. So a Christian is really someone who has been gifted by God with all these tremendous, tremendous gifts. But you see, with the great privilege of receiving the gift of the kingdom goes the responsibility to use the life of the kingdom, to use all the resources of the kingdom in the way that God desires, but also to participate with him in the extending of the kingdom. And and so once those non-believers were hooked, they would be there Wanting more and more revelation. And at the end of the four weeks, they were ready to surrender their lives to Jesus. Not just ask for forgiveness, but to surrender their lives to the King. To bring their lives under, in submission, in surrender to the one who is the Lord and King of all. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that's very important, that when people come to the Lord, they're not just expecting forgiveness of sins, but they really are surrendering their lives wholeheartedly to God so that he can then take hold of their lives and use them in the way that he intends. Because why has God saved us? He hasn't saved us just to go to heaven. He hasn't saved us just to belong to his kingdom. He saved us to do the work of his kingdom here on earth and to participate with him in the spreading of the kingdom. There's a, a, a little song that I picked up for, from some of the worship I've been listening to on, uh, on YouTube. Um, it's, it's like a, a little ditty, uh, and, and it, I'm not gonna attempt to sing it, but the words, the words are, are, are very, uh, they're, they're exactly what we need to hear at this time. I'm going to tell them. That is, tell other people. I'm going to tell them Jesus reigns. I'm going to tell them Jesus reigns. Tell them, tell them, tell them Jesus reigns. That's the first verse. The second verse is I'm going to tell them Jesus saves. I'm going to tell them Jesus saves. Tell them, tell them, tell them Jesus saves. And the third verse is, I'm going to tell them Jesus heals. I'm going to tell them Jesus heals. Tell them, tell them, tell them Jesus heals. This is the good news. And we know that it's good news. Jesus Christ has put his kingdom within you and within me that he might rule and reign in our lives. Now what does that mean? It means three things. He reigns over us because we are submitted to his rule. In other words, we're submitted, we're surrendered to living according to the principles of his kingdom. And really, Jesus was talking about one of the key principles of his kingdom in that parable. The measure you give is the measure you get back. You reap what you sow. You give and you get good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But you don't get the multiplication until you give. You don't get the increase until you use the gifts that God has entrusted to you as a steward. So this is a principle of this kingdom life, of this heavenly kingdom life that we are called to live here on earth. And the challenge is to live this heavenly kingdom life in the midst of a fallen world that does not live by the same principles. And of course there are other principles of the kingdom that we can live in the mercy and and continually forgive and in the grace of God and continually uh, uh, give not only forgiveness but we can give to people the love of God, the compassion of God, the power of God. So when we think of, of what the Scriptures say about the kingdom, we have to realise, well, God has given us all those resources. Some will have a greater capacity to use those resources than others. But what God doesn't want is for anyone just to bury that res- their, 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 their resources and say, well, God has given me the kingdom, I'm going to go to heaven, hallelujah, now I can do what I like with my life. No, 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 no. That misses the point altogether, as people like that will discover on the Day of Judgment when they have to give account of their stewardship to the Lord. And I might say that in the revival in Luton, this whole teaching of stewardship was absolutely key. It was crucial to what God was doing. And I believe every member of the congregation was was fruitful and was participating in extending the kingdom as well as seeking to be faithful in the way that they lived kingdom life. You see, how how could uh, I I be talking to all those non-believers unless they had received witness from the other members of the church? And I used to say to them, you get them to come to the the No Jesus group and, and I'll bring them to the Lord. That's my anointing, your anointing, get them there. Just like nowadays you're encouraged to get people to the Alpha course Uh, And then we believe that God will use that as a vehicle to bring them into his kingdom. So what are these resources God's given you? Well, you have the life of the kingdom. You have the love of the kingdom. You have the power of the kingdom. You have the authority of the kingdom. That authority gives you power and authority over all the works of the enemy. You do not have to be a victim of what the enemy wants to do in your life. You do not have to yield to the thief who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. God has given you life and has given you life in abundance. He's given you the fullness of life. He's given you all the riches and resources of his heavenly kingdom. And so it's incumbent upon us to discover more and more of what those riches are and then to put them into good effect in our lives, to use them in the way that God intends so that they become fruitful so that God works in us and through us. Not only do we submit our lives to his reign, but he expresses that reign in our lives. He expresses our reign through us in the way in which we can exercise his authority, in the way in which we can give his love, in the way in which we can show his mercy, in the way that we can use his power. And Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So because you've received the gift of the Spirit, you have the power of God. And the power of God is the power of the kingdom. The kingdom of God, Paul says, is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whether you talk about Christ in you, the Spirit of God within you, or the kingdom of God within you, you're ultimately talking about the same thing. And in others of the parables, Jesus said the kingdom is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and then went and sold everything that he had in order that he could possess that kingdom, that gift, that treasure. Or like the merchant who found the pearl of great price and went and sold everything he had so that he could buy that pearl and possess this most important gift of the kingdom. It's interesting, you see, Jesus said that he didn't say that he was the treasure. He didn't say that he was the pearl of great price. He said the kingdom is. In other words, the real treasure in your life is not just the fact that you have Jesus within you, but Jesus reigns in your life, that Jesus rules in your life, that you are submitted to his rule and reign, so he is able to work in you and through you in the ways that he desires. So, He wants you, not only to live the life of the kingdom, but to tell people, Jesus reigns. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Now, when the sower goes forth to sow, and that's another parable about the kingdom, he gets different responses. Some reject the message, like the seed that falls on the ground. Some Respond, but only superficially, like the seed that falls on the rocky soil. Some are still so concerned about their own lives and what they want to do in this world that their cares of this world choke the life of the kingdom. But then there's the good soil, and your life is good soil, isn't it? Where there's, you pull up the weeds, you don't allow anything to restrict what God wants to do in your life through his kingdom, life, and power. And so what happens? Well, you produce fruit 30 times, 60 times, 100 times that which was sown. In other words, you are productive. Others will be blessed. And, and, and I knew, you see, that that... Uh, all those people that were coming to the Lord in those groups, they were there because every member of the church was witnessing and sharing their faith and reaching out with the love and the compassion of Jesus. Later in my ministry, when I was speaking at big rallies and conferences with thousands of people, it was common to see a 100 people or more come to the Lord. Sometimes as many as two or 300 at a single meeting would, would would come to the Lord. But you see... I knew all I was doing was reaping where others had sown. All the glory is the Lord because none of us can save anyone. Only he can save them. But it was all the people that had witnessed that had brought those hundreds of people to those meetings. They they, 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 they didn't do the reaping necessarily, but they did the necessary sowing. Why? Because they were concerned to see the kingdom of God spread. They were concerned to see that their friends, their acquaintances, their work colleagues, or whoever they were, were not going to go to a Christless eternity in hell, but they were going to belong to the kingdom of God now so that they would belong to the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. And this is what Jesus clearly teaches, that if we don't belong to the kingdom in this life, then we're not going to belong to the kingdom eternally, that there's no sort of second chance after we've died and Jesus taught parable about that, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. But there's no time for us to go into the details of that. But let us know that, that this is the only life that we are given whereby we can glorify God here on earth so that we enter into the reward, the rich reward that he has for us. But of course, we don't engage in the life and the power of the kingdom just because we want a reward, but because we love Jesus. Pastor Clive is is often saying, don't you love Jesus? And everybody, of course, says yes when they're here together. And when you're in your own home watching uh, church at home, then I'm sure you also say yes when he says, don't you love Jesus? But you see, if we love Jesus, then we want to do what he says. We can't love Jesus and then be disobedient to his word or or waste the resources that he's given us. So he has given you the resources of his love in order for you to love, of his compassion in order for you to have compassion. He has gifted you in so many ways, naturally and spiritually. He has gifted you with that authority so you can use that, exercise that authority in prayer to see others delivered and set free. He has given you that power, the power of the kingdom, the power of the Holy Spirit so that God's supernatural power and activity can be released into your life and into the lives of other people. And next month during May, Pastor Andy Elms is doing this course about soul winning. I was speaking to him on the phone uh, during this past week, and he was telling me that, that this, this is taking off, and that now he has the opportunity of speaking into thousands of households with this course. That one of the Pentecostal denominations wants all their pastors and churches to participate in, in this in, in the whole region of, of, of the country, and, and this is spreading. So I said, How many of uh, Kingdom Faith? Uh, as far as you know, have already signed in for this. And he said, about 30, and I said, oh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more before the course begins uh, in May. Because, you see, we need all the teaching and training and equipping that we can have and can receive in order to be effective in fulfilling that part of our kingdom call and responsibility to take our part, to play our share in seeing the kingdom of God extended. And it's surprising how, you know, when when people actually are trained and equipped for something, they gain confidence to be able to do that. There are lots of things that we need to be trained in. You have to learn to drive before you're allowed to drive. There's all kinds of other ways that we need to be trained and equipped so that then we can be successful in whatever we're being trained to do. And the same is, is true in spiritual things. The same is true in, in this uh, life of the kingdom and in spreading the good news of the kingdom. And I believe, you see, God is giving us all these promises in kingdom faith about multiplication, about harvest, and about living in his abundance. Now, how is that going to happen? Well, God isn't going to parachute angels suddenly into Horsham and Burgess Hill and and Worthing and London and and Scarborough and and, and Taunton uh, 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 and Crawley. he's He's not going to do it through angels. He's going to do it through us. He's going to do it through those who are already part of the kingdom. This is the way he causes his kingdom to multiply. This is the way the harvest happens. So God is calling you to be a sower and a harvester. Many, many of us will become harvesters that at present don't even... It's not even on our radar that that would be possible. But I encourage you to sign in for this this, uh, course Ne- next month, A- and uh, you, all, all the details of how to do that, I'm sure, are on, on the website. But, <clears throat> oh, Colin will probably tell you how to do it before the meeting ends. But, you know, there are all those people out there in the world waiting for you. For me, for all of us. You know, Jesus said that no one can come to the Lord unless the Father calls them, unless the Father chooses them. And he will not, and Jesus says, and I will not turn away any who come to me. That's a great message. The thing is that there are many people out there that don't know at this moment that the Father has chosen them and is calling them. And and as the scripture says, how will they know unless someone tells them? How will they know unless someone goes to them and brings them that that invitation, command even, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will make you fishers of men. All this emphasis in the scripture is of coming to Jesus. We often want to pray, Lord, come to me, come and do, and he says, no, you come to me and I'll meet with you. It's it's like when you need healing, you know, it's very tempting to say, oh, Lord, come and heal me. And God says, no, no, you come to me and be healed. Because I want to not only heal you of a disease or a need in your life, I want to heal you as a person. And you see, every single one of us needs healing. Why? Because none of us are living in perfection. Sin is spiritual sickness. So we need forgiveness. Forgiveness is spiritual healing. But we need healing in all kinds of other ways because there's so many other ways in which we're not yet like Jesus. We don't yet reflect the full nature of the kingdom that is within us. And so God, in his love, he He disciplines us, he He purifies our hearts, he prunes our lives, taking out of the things that are non-productive, that are counterproductive to what he wants to do with us, things that have nothing to do with his kingdom, that do not express his rule and his reign. So, let me just end by being exceedingly practical. What do you do with your time? You might think, well, that's, that's my business. No, no, no. It's Jesus' business. Because he's your king. And on the day of judgment, you are going to have to give account to him of how you spent your time. Time is a gift. Every day is a gift. We we need to begin each day with the attitude, thank you, Lord, for the gift of today. I want to use today for your glory. I want you to use me in whatever way you desire to further the life of your kingdom today. To express the life of the kingdom, to touch the lives of others with the love, compassion, mercy and the grace of God, but also to be used to extend that kingdom. What do you do with the abilities that God has given you? Your natural abilities you can use just for yourself or they can be consecrated to the Lord so that then those natural abilities can become fruitful in God's kingdom purposes. But what are you doing with the kingdom abilities that God has given you? The life, the power, the love, the authority of Jesus Christ that is in you. We're going to have to give account to God, each one of us, on the day of judgment of how we've used those kingdom resources that God has given us. What about your money? You see, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If you belong to the Lord, everything that you have also belongs to him. You can't say, well, my life is yours, but my money is mine. No, no. All of your money, 100%, belongs to him. He's made you a steward of those finances. So the first tenth you acknowledge belongs to him anyway so you give that back to him. But the other 90 percent you are a steward of and he wants you to use those resources, those financial resources, in a good and responsible way, in the way that he wants, so that you give where he wants you to give and give what he wants you to give. But not only finances your abilities, your talents, your giftings to love others, to serve others, to help others, to encourage others. There are so many positive things that we can do that will have a positive effect upon others. I'm sure that you can interpret the rest of this message in a practical way for your own life but I'll finish by coming back to where we started. Jesus is king. Okay. Is he king in your life? Well, yes, but in name only? Or in reality? Does he rule and reign in your life? Jesus is your Lord, you would say that. You believe he is Lord. You would say he is your Lord. But is he free to exercise his Lordship in your life, which means that you are submitted to his authority so that you love and serve him and others in the way that he asks of you. It's just a question of understanding that we have such immense privileges being saved Belonging to his kingdom, having the gift of the Holy Spirit, having the gift of eternal life. All these amazing things that God has done. But with privilege comes responsibility. And we have to prove faithful so that on that day of judgment we have that good account well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord, says in one of the other parables. But here in this one, you have proved faithful in small things. I'll put you in charge of many things. So this week, Prove faithful to whatever God puts before you, to whatever God asks of you. Those that he puts before you to love, those to whom you can say, Jesus reigns, Jesus saves, Jesus heals. Let's prove faithful in praying using the power and authority that God has given us for those that we know are in need at this time. I'm sure most of us do that already. But let us understand that this is part of our response to this wonderful, wonderful gift of the kingdom that God has given to us. And let's believe that That we as as the whole body are going to become so much more effective and fruitful in seeing the kingdom of God impact these towns where we live. That a move of God takes place because the kingdom of God is being extended. That's what God wants. I believe it's what we want. But as Jesus said, well if you're going to follow me you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow after me. There's going to be a cost. But the cost is really nothing compared with the cost Jesus paid for us. And the cost is nothing compared with the privileges of belonging to God's kingdom. Not only in this life, but for all eternity. So we're going to pray together now. And then after that we're going to listen to Pastor Andy Elms talk just very briefly in a video about that course that he'll be running next month. So right where you are now, let's just close our eyes in prayer. Jesus is with you right where you are, King Jesus is in your home. If you're a believer, King Jesus is in your heart. He is always King. The Lord Jesus lives within you. His kingdom is within you his sovereign rule and reign. Can you thank him now? Thank you, Lord, that you're my king, that I am part of your heavenly royal family, that I'm your child. Thank you that you've given me all the privileges of your heavenly kingdom life. You have withheld nothing from me. Thank you for these amazing privileges. And today, Lord, I realize that together with those privileges comes responsibility. And Lord, I want a good report when I have to give account of my stewardship on the day of judgment. I want to hear you say that I prove faithful in small things so you can put me in charge of bigger things. I want to hear you say, enter into the joy of your Lord, the eternal joy of your glory because I prove faithful. Thank you that salvation is your gift. We could never earn that. But thank you that the reward comes from the way we have allowed you to rule and reign in our lives. So right now you might want to make a fresh surrender. What God has said to me this week is that he's making a fresh call upon our lives. You know, you don't only get called once by the Lord, but he keeps calling. And we keep responding. So you can make a fresh response right now. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or how short a time you've been a Christian. You can say, Lord, I surrender to your kingdom purposes for my life. By your mercy and grace and through the power of your Spirit, I want to live kingdom life here on earth. I want the love of the kingdom, the mercy, the grace, the power, the authority of the kingdom to be expressed in my life. I want to be a good steward of my time, a good steward of all the resources that you've made available to me, both the natural resources and the spiritual resources. I want to be a good steward of the money that you entrust to me, of the property that you've entrusted to me. I want to be a good steward of the relationships that you entrust to me, a good steward of my children, for those who have children, a good steward in my marriage, a good steward in my friendships, a good steward with those that I work with a good steward in relation to others that I have anything to do with. I want to be a good steward, Lord, a good servant, to live as a good son, a good daughter through your anointing, through your mercy, through your grace. And can you say to the Lord, and Lord, I want to play my part in extending your kingdom, in sowing, in reaping, in witnessing, in being a good witness. And I want to learn, Lord. Humbly, I say, please teach me and train me how to be a more effective soul winner. And if you're praying that, then you can also agree, And Lord, I'm going to sign on that course because I want to be fruitful for your glory. I want to see your kingdom extended in this town where I live and in other places where kingdom faith has any responsibility or influence. Lord, I thank you that you want every member of the body to be fruitful and to be expressing your sovereign rule and reign. Everybody participating in seeing the kingdom extended in the lives of more and more people. Those, Lord, that you're calling, but they don't know it yet. Those that you're choosing, but they haven't heard it yet. And Lord, we know there may be some that reject, but those that you're calling will accept the invitations that we give them to come to you, to know you, to love you, to serve you, and to become part of your eternal kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. And just while we're praying still, you heard that testimony earlier of someone who got healed. You see, God is at work in you right now in his healing grace. As the the power of God is released in your life, as you give to others, so that power is also released in your own life. The The measure you give is the measure that you receive. It's not just a question of saying, Oh Lord, I want to receive healing. Pray for as many sick people as possible, that you know because that will further the work of healing in your own life. But right now, God's healing grace is coming upon people right where they are. Many of you know that. You just know, without me mentioning a whole lot of specific things, you just know the power of God is upon you. The power of God is working within you. You might feel something, you might not feel something. It's not a matter of feelings, it's a matter of knowing. That faith that is knowing, that faith that is sure, that faith that is certain. And you can say, thank you, Jesus, for my healing. That healing may be an immediate thing, it may be a process that God is beginning or encouraging, but thank him that his healing grace takes place in your life every day as you trust in him. And we thank you, Jesus. All the glory belongs to you. Amen.